Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager with the leadership team of Relate365.com. If you've been listening to Younger Older, you realize we're trying to encourage you to have dialogues between generations, to be able to talk to people and get their perspective and come to some conclusions that are going to be consistent with the Bible. And to do that, you need to talk to people who have a different perspective than you. And one of the ways that you can do that is talk to somebody who's older or younger. And that's how we came up with the program. Uh, I come to you all the time as the older guy. One of these days, I'm going to come with an old guy in the studio. But I'm 63 years old, and today I have my son-in-law, Lance. And Tim is not my son-in-law, but his good friend that he meets with. And the ironic part is Tim was part of the Nicolay Bible Institute here at Silver Birch Ranch. And I was able to meet with him as a college student. Lance became my son-in-law. He has a long history of talking with uh, guys that are older, I would say, and uh, enjoys doing that. And now Tim and Lance meet, and I believe that your son Lance meets with Tim That is as the well. Plan, yes. Yeah. So tell me, uh, how, how important to each of you is the um, idea of either mentoring or meeting or having a cup of coffee together or holding each other accountable? How often do you guys actually get together, and how often does the talk turn to something that's important? Well, we tend to uh, have a less structured meeting time because we are neighbors. Okay. So we spend a lot of time working together, and then our conversations turn to things while working together. And, and it, it seems to be more productive for us because we can work and talk. Now, do you, have a, do you intentionally want to meet with other men in a kind of mentoring role? I do. I, I have a, another gentleman that he happens to be a little bit older than me, but he's a very young Christian. So I meet with him and spend time with him and, and help him to understand uh, what it means, what uh, biblical manhood looks like. Okay. Now, it, obviously, if you're talking to somebody and you're doing it while you're doing other things besides just drinking coffee, which is not a bad idea, but there's other things you can do in life. Do you find that the activity that you do together actually helps in the conversation, or is it better to sit and do nothing while you're talking? I think it depends on the person's personality. As far as for myself and Tim, we we both seem to like to help. We kind of some of one of our spiritual gifts, so we're always trying to help each other. And so while we're working, we're talking. And but I know other guys are not so much that way. So. Okay, now you hold a regular job. What do you do for a living? I, I work in water and wastewater. Okay, and Tim, what do you do? I work in the uh, accounting department for a hardware distributor. A bean counter. And that's right. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you have all the little details of life right up in your head and can spell them out at any given moment. Most days. So uh, are you a bean counter, Lance? I do not. I only like to eat them. Okay. <laughs> Here's what's interesting. So you two guys get along, though. Yeah, very much. So your personalities must be a little different. For sure. Yes, definitely. Um, so does that help or hinder the times you, you get together? I think it helps a lot. Um, you know, being with someone who's different than you, uh, Lance is really good at relationships and, and talking to you. Um, I'm not so great at one-on-one -on -one conversations and being really relational, so you know, the two different sides of our personalities mesh really well. And, and like he was saying, when we work together, we're doing something. It's not just focused on conversation. We're able to do stuff. And as we're doing stuff, 
the the conversation flows through that instead of just sitting face to face and having to come up with conversation. That's not one of my strengths, uh, but it definitely is one of Lance's strengths. Okay. So both of you work with a, a youth group called C Team. It's what age group? Uh, middle school. Middle school. And you've been up here to camp with them doing different work projects. That's right. Has that been val- valuable? Tremendously, yeah. And why is it valuable? When we get kids out here to do work, uh, one, they really love doing work, something that they wouldn't normally uh, volunteer for or do. Uh, and it really opens them up. You know, they have okay. fun doing work, and we can form those relationships and strengthen those relationships through those activities. Okay, now your son's too young to do that yet. Just a uh, bit. But your son, yeah. Lance, is old enough. Did you come up and do a work thing with him? I, I did, uh, but it's interesting because I tend to let him see, be with some of the other leaders so they can kind of speak into his life. And um, and I got grouped up last year. I got grouped up with a group of girls that hardly ever say a word, but then when we start working, uh, they just talk nonstop. And, and you get to learn a lot about the kids when you're working with them. Yeah. You know, if, if if people listen to younger or older, they know I'm always harping on a few things, and and one of the things I'm I'm harping on is, you can hear the Bible, you can hear what you're supposed to do, but seeing what you're supposed to do is equally as important, and that's where the modeling comes in. So when you come up to a place like Silverberg Ranch and work with junior high kids, they get to see that you do this, and they get to interact with you while you work, and that's that's a valuable experience, and I think a lot of times what's happened is that that uh, the church itself has kind of pawned off kids to other programs rather than spending the time and the relationships with them. And I'm proud of you two guys because you actually spend time with younger kids. And it's evident. I mean, you're, you're spending time with each other, which is a, in a mentoring kind of relationship and a friendship kind of relationship. You're, you're spending time with younger people. And, and in Lance, you're spending time with older people. And I know you are. So that it kind of puts you right in the in the middle of all these different perspectives. Um, I want to encourage our listeners, if, if you're not really spending time with people, what's happening is anytime you withdraw and you become isolated, you're going to be in trouble because you need these different personalities in your life to, to look at you and to see how you're doing life and to hold you accountable to various things. Um, do you consider your relationship between the two of you, do you consider that you would hold each other accountable to a standard? Yeah, I I kind of, well, I, I believe in, I like asking the hard questions and and causing Tim to think. And and I, I, I like being asked the hard questions as sometimes it's not as pleasant, but I like being uh, challenged to think and uh, think about how I'm looking at things and how I see things. And what's interesting is when I see Tim do things, I'm learning a lot from him on how to handle the middle schoolers or how to relate to them. That's one of his gifts is being able to relate to the middle schoolers. So that was never my tactic I, because I usually spent time with older men. So I learned more about myself meeting with the middle schoolers and I just kind of sit back and watch him as he deals with them because he's closer in age to them than I am to him. Right. We're 18 years apart and, and most of the kids, he might be 10 years older than. So it's, it's an interesting perspective. You know, it's fun to see uh, guys that are 18 years apart be good friends. 
because you you do have a different life perspective. Your kids uh, are, are how excuse me. Your kids are how old? Sixteen and fourteen. Okay, and how old is Oliver? You have a son. Six months. There you go. So you've already been through the seasons of life that he's going through right now, and you get to uh, be neighbors, so you get to at least drop in on each other and see what's going on. And uh, if you see something that's not right, you get to actually do something about it. Yeah, right. Uh, which is very interesting in, in life. Uh, there are a lot of people in this life that feel isolated. Do either of you feel like you're isolated? Not anymore. In uh, in high school, I kind of isolated myself. I just I uh, went to the youth group at our church, and I did a lot of activities with them. But if I wasn't at youth group, I wasn't, you know, spending too much time with other people. And, you know, I can only say that that hindered my uh, – my myself and my relationship with God and, you know, coming right. through MBI and coming out the other side and spending time with uh, good friends and, you know, just good people. Now, you, you've spent time with um, um, Lance's son, and he's yep. in junior high, but he's going to high school. Is that going to continue? Uh, I hope so, yeah. I mean, hopefully because we're neighbors. Now, is that your that. initiative or his initiative? Uh, my initiative probably more than anything. And And is that bad or good? It's a good thing. Yeah. Definitely. I was going to say, you know, if you wait for high school, <laughs> if you're going to wait for somebody in high school to come say, why don't you meet with me on a regular basis? That, that's probably not going to happen. Definitely not. Yeah. No. Um, you have to actually go after him a little bit. Right. And you, and obviously it's worth your effort to go after him because you're trying to include yourself in his life and ho be his friend and hold him accountable to things. That's right. Um, do you do that? How do you do that for somebody that's in junior high or high school? I mean- I, I can understand you and Lance getting together, maybe having a cup of coffee, tea, whatever you drank, and, and you know, um, chewing the fat a little bit. But what do you do with somebody who's in high school or junior high to actually develop a relationship with them? Uh, my mentality on that is meet them where they're at. Okay. Um, so my mentality on being a C team leader, uh, you know, hanging out with middle schoolers and high schoolers is do what they do. You know, run around in the field and play football with them or – you know, play basketball or, you know, if they like to play, play board games or whatever it is, meet them where they're at, do, you know, find something that you're, they're interested in, do it with them. And, and through that, they'll open up, you know, yep. you'll be able to form a relationship with them by doing what they love to do. Yep. Can you, ever, do you do that in both directions? I mean, you look at Lance, who's that many years older than you, can you meet him where he's at? I think so. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So you can yeah. be flexible enough. That's interesting because your mind is more the analytical numbers kind of mind where you probably like planning and having everything. Right. Yeah. So relationships are harder to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause they kind of move. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but what is the intent then? If somebody who loves to plan like you, how do you, how do you put up with um, all the twists and turns that happen within those relationships? I do my best to be flexible. It's not, all, <laughs> it's not always easy, but you know, just be flexible and, you know, you know, especially with a middle school or a high school or they're, they're always going to be doing something that surprises you or there's going to, they're going to ask you a question or that catches you a little bit off guard. And so it's just learning how to respond to them or, you know, not react in a, in a way that scares them away or yeah. something like that. You know, I think a, an important part of the church in general is that there are uh, significant adults other than the parents in the church that are willing to invest in the children and say the things that mom and dad will say, but say them in a different way within their personality and not because they have to. I think every child, correct me if I'm wrong, if you guys think different, but I think every child that grows up thinks 
well, that's my mom and dad. They have to love me. They have to say certain things. They have to feel this way. But when somebody outside of that says it, they don't have to feel that way. They don't have to say it. And I think um, that when you look at it, one of the reasons I went into uh, Christian camping was because of all the tremendous, significant adult relationships that can be made with children. Um, you guys are here right now in our studio, and, and we have a junior, middle, high you know, camp going on right now. And when I walk around the place, because I'm the speaker, kids are all over screaming, hey, Dave, coming over to say hi. And, you know, I'm 63 years old and a bunch of fifth graders, you know, are coming by and chit-chatting with me about life. And I think, you know, that's healthy. You could be doing a whole lot of stupid things right now. But instead, you're, you're here, and I stand in the back of the chapel and watch them sing, uh, you know, Christian songs and, and do motions and jump. And I'm thinking, you could be singing a whole lot of worse words than that. Mm-hmm. And, and the key is there's kids, there's young people up on the platform with the people doing the music. The people doing the music have relationships with the kids that are doing the. I mean, when you look at the whole thing, it's all relational and it's all intergenerational. And it seems there, there are places in the world and even probably in the church that really make it so that this intergenerational thing doesn't happen. They kind of segment everything in society. When in reality, this intergenerational thing is extremely healthy uh, to have so that people can see what they need to do to the next generation to enjoy uh, both God and each other. So uh, how often do you guys actually see each other? Probably five times a week. (laughs) Well, uh, to to disclosure, you guys live how close? Uh, Five doors away. Yeah, (laughs) five five doors away. So you could look out your window and see each other, I guess, if, if you needed to. To have that. Right. Um, it, but in that process, you see each other enough to hold each other accountable. If you saw something funny going on in the other person's life, uh, you'd be able to step in and say, you know, what's what's happening and, and do that. Or likewise with their kids. Um, now, is, is uh, Krista's, your wife, is Kristen Lance, are they involved in um, your son's life? Oh, they, uh, they love being in his life. They okay. love to take care of him, be with him. Again, that's the significant other adult thing right there. Yeah. Um, as he grows up, that's going to be continuing to be important uh, because that significant adult relationship is is critical to find people that mirror what you believe, especially the Bible, mm-hmm. and that you can trust your children with, and they should be with them. Um, I think every kid should go to camp so that they could learn that with other kids and, and be with other people. Um, how did you get started? Lance, I know you meet with... Um, You've met with some older guys. Mm-hmm. How did you get started doing that? Did you always do that, or did? Well, I was fortunate enough, and it, it kind of dawned on me. My, my father was—he uh, was always friends. You know, he always had men in his life of different ages. So I kind of witnessed that growing up, and I grew up in a generation in, in the South where you help people. That's you go to old people's house. You go. To, it doesn't matter if somebody needs help. You go and help them. That was kind of my dad's mentality. But then I, uh, I always like having conversation and learning from people. And and my mentor, he's actually I think he's close to my dad's age. He's early seventies. And I just walked up to him and asked him one day in church. I said, Hey, would you be interested in getting together? And because uh, I was really at a point where. I wanted to learn from somebody who had walked with Christ for many, many years. And it was a 
just a great benefit to me just to spend that time listening to his life's experiences and what he had learned. And, and this was a man, too, that spends an hour or more a day in the Word. He sure. really believes in if you want a good life, if you want to live a real life, you live it by the Word, that everything in life comes from the Word. And if you have any questions, any concerns, anything, and it's just you go to the Word. That's your main source of everything. So that was a big benefit to me. Yeah. So, you know, when I talk to people about um, living in a mentoring relationship, and by that I, I actually don't mean somebody older and younger necessarily. Um, I mean, that's always a part of it. But when you and Tim meet, when, when Lance and Tim meet, you guys help each other. You learn from each other. It's just Lance has, um, he's further down the road in experiential things. You know, his kids are not in diapers. Right. You know, yours are. And so there's, there's this experience thing that you get to share. But what's really interesting is that as you understand that relationship between people, you begin to flood yourself with those that want to be a part of your life. And I have talked to a number of people that want to be a part of somebody else's life. But they say, I don't know how to do it. So they don't mentor. They don't get involved that way. They don't want to tell them what they should be doing. They don't want to tell them what they should be thinking. What would you say to somebody who you told, if you came to them and said, man, you should be in a relationship with somebody else where you're mentoring them and helping them. You have a lot to offer, but they refuse to do that because they feel like they're not qualified or they feel like they don't know what to say. What would you say to them? I think one of the things that people probably struggle with is feeling like, well, I don't know enough or I couldn't answer their questions. But sometimes it's just encouraging. And sometimes it's just saying, hey, remember, you know, you you treat your wife like she is uh, very special. Or it's just asking questions. Or, or one thing we're going to do is a friend of mine recommended a book to me. And so I asked him the other day, hey, I got this new book. You want to go through it with me? Right. And, and just asking questions is another good thing, too. How are you doing? And, and so it doesn't have to be a curriculum. No, no. And, and a lot of guys I'm learning are, are more standoffish for a curriculum. They don't. And then there's other guys who I see. It's like, man, I'd really like to get in and learn the word. Right. And we've discussed that. We're going to um, look at uh, doing a Howard, Howard Hendricks book, but we also got another book. And now that we live so close to each other, it, we don't have to have a rigid structure where it's like, hey, you got an hour tonight? Yeah, come on over. Right. So it, we're pretty flexible like that, but I yep. understand some guys aren't that flexible, so you have to kind of meet them where they're at. And if you're willing to, you know, if they can only meet at 5 a.m., you get up at 5 a.m. and you go serve them and love on them, however you can help them. Yep. You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, there are a lot of uh, people that push back against uh, mentoring relationships that have a curriculum involved. And I think a lot of that is they grew up in the church and they heard all the curriculum, but they missed the relationship within the church. And so what they really want is the relationship. It's not that they're against a curriculum. They want a relationship. And because they've substituted through the years of having, you know, we do this from this time, this time in Sunday school, church, whatever it might be, but no real relationship. People felt like they were in this system, but it didn't work for them. And that's because everything Christianity is relational in a sense. At uh, the Relate365.com website, we've developed some um, small group, especially for men's stuff there. And basically, it's based on just questions. It's based on read this, here's a bunch of questions, think about it. And 
discuss it with somebody. And I think that in our culture right now, that's extremely important. Have you guys ever watched uh, the news? Not much. Probably too much. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting is that people have thought through the years that the news is something that is there to report what's going on. And it really isn't. It really has an agenda. And so what's, what's really interesting is that we as a nation are being shaped more by the hours that we're being talked to by people who don't know God that have an agenda than we are by those who sit with us whose only agenda is, I love you, and I want you to have the life God has for you. Because that sounds too simple. But it's, it's profound. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea that, that you care about somebody and say, I love you as a friend, I want your life to be all that it can be, and I'm going to make the effort to get into it so that it is what it should be, is extremely important. You don't get that in the 6 o'clock news. The person who's reporting to you at 6 o'clock does not care about you. They, they do have an agenda. Their bosses have an agenda. And if you don't think the news has an agenda, then y- you haven't studied history at all. You know, I grew up at a time where uh, the news was owned by a guy like John, John F. Kennedy, where nothing was reported that he ever did wrong. And you could see the agenda that was in the news departments. Hmm. Um, now that he's been gone for a while, things leak out somehow. Somehow of those news reports get out of what his life was really like. He's not a guy that many of us would want to emulate. And and that was all covered up at the time by news. By And what we thought the news was was a place that came and told us an unbiased, investigative, here's the information kind of thing. And it didn't happen back in the 60s. It hasn't happened today. And I don't know how many lives are being affected by by just a bunch of chatter out there on the on on the news wires instead of people investigating with one another what truth is in their own lives. They're missing the whole relational aspect. It's been uh, thrown to uh, the idea of mass media. Um, now, when you get together with your mentor, Lance, your, your older mentor, mm-hmm. it, what do you do? I mean, what do you do when you get together? Oh, man, we've, we've done all kinds of things. We, we've sometimes just spent time in the Word. Uh, sometimes... We just sit and talk, and he he wants to know what's going on in my life, and uh, it's kind of we let and and there's other times we just get together and pray. Um, but I am big on the relationship side of things. That's where I'm more taking it because there are men out there who don't have somebody who they can have a relationship with, and 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 my. My go-to is when I meet with somebody is ask me anything. Right. I don't care. You can ask me anything you want about my life. Anything personal, as deep as you, I don't care. You know, people ask about my past or whatever. I don't care because I know who I am. And and I learned that and anything they say won't shock me. Nothing right. can surprise me. So we just talk about things. And I think that's, we live in this world where, we're just alone together, almost. Social so, media is kind of dividing us. Yeah. You know, why? Why doesn't? Why? Why can't they say something that shocks you? Just because it's. I I've come to accept the fact that people are people, and we're we're all flawed. We all make mistakes. We all we all fall short. We all, 
So there's nothing you can do in this life like what you would do. No, it's it's only by the grace of God I haven't fallen into that. Right. So I just don't. And even when I'm learning with my kids, you don't react, you respond. Right. What's interesting there is that I, I think when you look at why some mentoring relationships don't work, first of all, we've got – we have the structure of the formality in place. That's not necessarily mentoring because of the structure and the formality of it. So you can go into a men's group in a church basement, for example. you got the donuts, you got the coffee, you got somebody teaching – Everyone leaves going, that was nice. You know, and that's a, nothing really goes on in life. Lives aren't challenged. People, it, you, you guys won't let that happen because you're talking to each other and you, you can see it. You might enjoy the donuts. You might enjoy the coffee, but, but you can see it so you do something. Um, and I think that what I would like to call people to do is if they're going to be in a mentoring relationship, to understand the importance of doing something together. Just do stuff together. Do life together. And when you do life together, what you're having is you're, you're getting to see all the really good stuff and all the really bad stuff, and you're able to open up dialogues with it. Because every human being we know is sinful, so everybody does things they shouldn't do. But doing life together allows you an opportunity to step into somebody's life and say, you know what, I, I don't know if you should be doing that. I don't know if you should be talking like that and now the courage to sit and talk it out because of somebody that's in your life rather than surrounding yourself with people who don't really know who you are and you can put any mask you want on you know, for that particular occasion whether it be church on Sunday and we all know that that's happened um, in great abundance really in the evangelical or any church how many uh, leaders in the Catholic Church and the evangelical church in the last years have come out as actually abusive to people mm -hmm. And you can go back and listen to their messages on love. But the problem is they don't have people in their life to call them on it. Right. You know, you got to do life together. You have to be able to live with people, know what they're thinking. And I, those that are listening, I want to challenge the listener. And I want to challenge you too. You should always have at least three people in your life. Always. You being one of them. But you should always have somebody older in your life that you can go to and talk to. And, and you talk to them about anything you want. You, talk, you, you, need, you need that person. I would suggest they be outside your family, but you need to have that person, whether you can go to them and talk to them. And I'm not saying don't talk to family. I'm saying I think it's best if you have somebody you can go to and talk to outside of that. Uh, secondly, I think you all should have somebody younger in your life that you personally take responsibility for. That, that you, for my, for in my case, it would be so that my wife and I would pray for that person and hope that and look for ways to help that person be successful in life. And you just begin in a campaign, if you want to call it, for that young person to make sure that their life is what it should be. And you hurt for them and you, you rejoice with them and all that kind of stuff. So um, the third person is yourself. So you take it upon yourself to actually be in the Word of God and learn the things you need to so that you can share it with those other people. And if everybody would do that, if every Christian that's listening today if, or in, in the churches in America, if everyone would take that seriously, if they would say, I'm going to find an older person to sit down and, and be a part of their life and, and actually learn to be subjective to them and tell them what's going on and let them talk to me, and then they find a younger person and they say, I am personally going to be responsible. I'm telling you, the church would change. And people would be walking with God and, and, and be cared for quite significantly by the evangelical church. So 
Uh, I think we're going to keep this conversation going. I, I thank you guys for coming uh, by today. This is Dave Wager, and you've been listening to Younger, Older. And if you're going to go look for it to download it, it's going to be Younger, Older with Tim, Lance, and Dave. So you have to look for those names because uh, we're starting to get a bunch of different people in. See you later.